0: All right, Justin, sing me a song that just reminds you of a decade or another time, but isn't from that time. Uh,
1: uh, uh, a song that reminds me from that time, but it can't be from that, actually from that time.
0: Yeah, it reminds you of a time of, you know, years past, but is not from that time.
1: Hmm. Oh, my gosh. Uh... I'm trying to think of a song that's kind of got a, maybe has a vintage feel to it. Like it could be from there. Uh, what would fit this? Damn, I think you got me, man. I'm, nothing is coming. I'm drawing a blank.
0: Tisk tisk, Justin. No point for you. Damn,
2: damn it, damn it, damn it.
0: Heather, what about you?
2: Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown Funk, you up.
0: I don't know if I agree with that one or not.
2: It reminds me of a Motown song. I like it.
0: I mean, I guess. There's two Bruno Mars songs that would have worked. I just don't know if that one. Locked Out of Heaven would work because it sounds like a 1980s police song. And uh, Gorilla would have worked because it sounds like a 1980s Prince song. I would have also accepted Bowling for Soup's 1985. Mm. Uh, hmm. I would have accepted Brian Adams' Summer of 69 and then I would have accepted that song by Weezer that talks about like um, looked like just like Buddy Holly or something Mary Tyler mm-hmm. Moore I don't yeah. remember any other word from that song. Those were the ones I was looking for.
2: I see well.
0: But I guess I I'm will give sorry, Heather a point because she at least sang something whereas Justin failed miserably
1: uh, I think hers counts it, that, that song is meant to be played like is an very, old school.
2: Yeah, he's very like Motown with a lot of his music, and I really enjoy that about his music.
0: I don't know why you guys are trying to convince me to give Heather a point. I just said she got one.
2: <laughs> but you said, you know, you weren't sure about that song specifically. I know. So we're trying I, to I still, sell you on the song. I still
0: gave you a point anyway.
2: Okay, well then I will I will take it. I
0: mean, you'll talk yourself out of one if you keep going. I can retract yeah, that's it why... real fast
2: that's why i stopped
0: i mean here i am being benevolent and kind and merciful and giving away points and just it's not good enough
2: oh boy nope it's good enough for me
0: hurts my delicate sensibilities
2: well i'm accepting your kind generous offer thank you
0: now i just feel like you're mocking me
2: i'm not (laughs) i never get points i'm very happy to have the point
0: I feel like you're mocking my kind and generous nature. No, I'm saying thank you. That is what I'm known for, being kind and generous.
2: Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Thank you. (laughs) I will take the point because I don't get a ray of
0: sunshine and positivity at all times.
2: Yes, that's that's my feelings.
0: Now I know you're mocking me. You're on thin (laughs) ice, Missy. Anyway, I'll play her song now. Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today, we're going to be talking about a whole TV season for you guys. We are going to be talking about Disney Plus's WandaVision. We will talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with it. We will go non-spoilers, then give our recommendations and scores, and then go into a more spoiler-centric section with time codes in the description. So if you want to jump around, it makes it just a little bit easier. So to start us all off, Heather, what are your non-spoiler thoughts about WandaVision?
2: In a nutshell, this might be one of the greatest um, television seasons or series that I've ever seen, honestly and that's not an exaggeration it's just it's so creative um it's very well crafted it's told in a very interesting way it's captivating it's got pretty much everything that you would want it's got action it's got the romance it's got elements of the fantasy it's the superhero thing it's um takes you through several different decades of of uh, television per se and it's very, very well done. Like, I just think it's one of the most creative shows I've seen. And, um, again, like I know I've mentioned in a lot of other episodes, I didn't go into this knowing much about Scarlet Witch or Wanda, or, um, you know, I didn't read the comics. I, I honestly just did not know much about her character, um, prior to this, except for what I had seen in the movies. But it's just very, it, it honestly, like this show, made her one of my favorite superhero characters. Like she's so great. And like Elizabeth Olsen is amazing as Wanda. Like she's so great. And then Vision, who is Paul Bettany, he's always been to me, like just a really excellent actor. So, I mean, every element's there. I mean, the acting performances are great. It's, um, you know, it just, it ties into the whole Marvel universe. It's just really, really well done. And I'm, I'm bummed out that there weren't more episodes. I'm bummed out that, I mean, it just it might be forever before we get more of this show, but it was totally worth the entire ride. Like this, this is just such a great, well crafted show. And I mean, if you weren't really a fan of Marvel or the Marvel Universe before, I feel like if you watch this, you will be. It's just, There was not a single episode that I wasn't like, this is really great. So I definitely really loved it.
0: Justin, what about you?
1: Man, Marvel Studios, MCU. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you so freaking much. Because after Wonder Woman 1984, I, I mean, I guess I'll start at the beginning with that. I was clamoring for some comic book cinema content. you know, We didn't get Black Widow yet last year because of COVID and everything like that. And so towards the end of last year, Wonder Woman 84 was coming out. And I was so excited for that. I couldn't wait because I was just so happy that I was going to get my comic book fix. And I don't need to rehash the entire episode. We already did on it. You can go back there. But in a nutshell, that was pretty disappointing. That wasn't what I expected. It wasn't the narrative that I wanted. It just wasn't good enough, man. It just didn't do what I felt was justice to that character. So then we were were heading on to this. And because of Wonder Woman, I was starting to get nervous. And I was like, man, dude, am I going to have to recant what I said all those Cinema Slayers episodes before before? When we did episode number 40, that's the Avengers Endgame episode. Is this going to be bad? And then I'm going to have to recant everything I said. But thank you, Marvel Studios and the MCU, because I was right. I had faith in you. I said that the cup was half full. I said that any problems that anybody had with game, that Moving forward, I I had faith in you. I said that you would start to answer some questions. I said that you that you would be able, if you were smart, you'd be able to come up with some interesting narratives that you wouldn't just leave us in a lurch after endgame and then come out with a bunch of subpar comic book stories. And you haven't disappointed me yet. And this is such a great example of just something that is just an excellent follow-up to what we got before in Endgame. So I think that the doubters and the haters are going to have to stop just doubting Marvel Studios because they, how many times do they have to prove time and time again that they can tell a good story? And that's really what the heart of this is Sure, you may not get everything that you want from the comic book. Sure, the, the, you know, there are going to be some movies and some stories that are better than others. But Marvel has, uh, Marvel Studios anyway, has always been able to tell a good story. They 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 usually win those battles with the things that matter. They usually win those battles when it comes to developing characters. And to me, this is another triumph of Marvel of Marvel Studios. Now, I can be excited for all of the other content that we're going to get from them. I'm excited about the Winter Soldier. Um, series now because of this, this was so incredibly good. And all I can do is mirror a lot of the things that Heather said. Like, first of all, the acting by everyone involved was spectacular in this, just everything. I mean, Elizabeth, she, Heather already said that Elizabeth Olsen was amazing and Paul Bettany was amazing. And they were, they were great. Every emotion that they needed to have at certain points in this as as Wanda Scarlet Witch is going through the five stages of grief which if you think about it all of the stages are represented here in different episodes but as she's going through all of this as she's going through her denial stage her bargaining stage her acceptance stage uh, um all of these different stages that a person goes through in in that sort of battle with grief. You see all of those different emotions. You see everything that you need from both of the characters trying to figure this thing out. But not only are they amazing, but the supporting cast, all of the cast members, man, just showed up to this project. And I just can't say that enough. I mean, I really liked Katherine Hahn in this as Agatha. I I thought she was great. She, she was great from start to finish. I thought that she really was a great antagonist in this. I thought that she really was just a great, um, uh, uh, just, uh, she was great alongside all of the other different characters. Uh, Tiana Paris in this as Monica Rambeau. Um, who some comic book fans may know as Photon in the comic books. She was great in this. I thought that she did an excellent job. Randall Park was great in this. Kat Dennings, uh, Darcy. Haven't seen Darcy in a long time since uh, some of the older Thor films. She was great in this. And she really meshed well with Tiana Paris and Randall Park. She really did well. You know, Darcy mixing in with Monica and Jimmy Woo, all of that was good stuff. So even when our main characters weren't on screen, enough interesting stuff was happening with the side characters that just kept you compelled and just kept everything interesting throughout. So, yeah. And then I I liked what they did with this story. It was a slow burn to start off and it was kind of like almost a mystery. You you kind of were they were giving you little by little as episodes were going through and you were having to put the pieces together. But I thought that they did everything in such fun and entertaining ways. And I and I don't want to say too much now cuz we're in the um non-spoiler section, but 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 that's all I will say, that, that the way that they told this story, the way that they kind of unwinded this mystery, and by the time that it gets to the resolution, you can't help but be satisfied with this, and you can't help but be excited for what's to come. So yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this, and I was so happy to finally get some comic book content that i could enjoy so yes thank you marvel studios this was awesome and i think that ultimately this will probably go down as one of the best things that they've done as far as with their stories and characters it's
0: really kind of hard to believe that we're almost a hundred year or like episodes since we did in game and since then we've only done one other Marvel movie directly. I mean, we did a retrospective with Black Panther, but we've only really talked about one other Marvel movie, which is Spider-Man Far From Home. And then we've done a few DCEU movies with Shazam and Wonder Woman and Birds of Prey. And so, I mean, it really shouldn't be too terribly surprising with a lot of people. Like when I was talking about before, when I was talking about how I was very burnt out with the MCU, especially by the time we got to Endgame, I was burnt out. I gave zero fucks about anything really happening in Endgame. Oddly enough, one of my few things that I liked in Endgame was that little sequence with Wanda fighting Thanos. But just in general, I was burned out. I did not care anymore. And then 2020 kind of happened, and all the stuff we were supposed to get never came. And then Along comes WandaVision, which is the first thing in the MCU since Spider-Man Far From Home. And surprisingly enough, I really enjoyed it. Um, it had lots of elements to it that I thought they did very well. I really liked how they, they channeled some of the old sitcoms and how they did those things. Apparently, a lot of the people in the show had to go to like a two-week like sitcom boot camp to like teach them how to do that style of stuff, uh, especially the older styles of sitcom acting and stuff like that. And I mean, I'd say this, I think it very well paid off and I, I like how they tied in smaller characters. I mean, Jimmy Woo was a very small character in Ant-Man and the Wasp. And, and now he's a, he's like a weird, like cult MCU favorite. Now, so many people love Jimmy Woo and, I do think Randall Park is fantastic, in a lot of things. I think his show that he was on, uh, Fresh Off the Boat, is a very underrated show. Him and Cand, uh, Constance Wu, are amazing in that show. And so I was, you know, and I I really liked he did that, uh, that Netflix um rom com he did with what's her name, Ali Wong, uh, Always Be My Always Maybe. Always be my maybe. Yeah, I thought he was fucking fantastic in that. You know, he he plays. Like, I'm just, I'm really excited to see him get more, you know, get more screen time in some stuff. And the way he plays Jimmy Woo, I think is fantastic. I mean, they have a small little callback to Ant-Man and the Wasp. When you first see Jimmy Woo in this show, this might sound like a spoiler, but it's really not. It's just whenever he's introducing himself to Captain Monica Rambeau, he does the little business card, like sleight of hand that Scott Lang did to him an ant-man and the wasp type of situation so it just showed that he went and learned that you know inside the mcu so you're weirdly seeing characters grow in small ways like that's a weird little subtle way of showing the character of jimmy woo has been doing things in the mcu in over the five years technically since he in canon was on screen i know not in real life it wasn't five years ago But within the canon of the MCU, it's been five years. And he went and learned sleight-of-hand magic, you know? And it's it's, a little attention to detail that this show's kind of just steeped with. Like Justin said, with uh, Darcy, now it's Dr. Darcy. Darcy, Dr. Darcy, you know? She's now back. We haven't seen her since Thor Dark World. And she was always meant to be the comic relief character. There was just like a little... Weird intern doing weird shit while other people did the real shit. And now she's doing the real shit. Small little elements of growth that they're showing within their own universe. You know, I mean, and then on top of that, we have Monica Rambeau, who the last time we saw was a little girl in Captain Marvel, now fully grown woman. And the way they introduce her character is one of my favorite things in probably all of the MCU. And I'll get into that more in a little bit. But the show was a very tight show. There, I know a lot of people feel like there's a lot of unanswered questions. I feel like there's a lot of unanswered questions because this show had so many theories going for it. Some people were right, some people were wrong. I mean, I was right about some of my theories, I was wrong about a lot of my theories, you know. But in the end, I think the best thing about the show. Is I, I, Even though a lot of the things I thought would happen didn't, I wasn't disappointed. I was still satisfied with the way this movie ended. And I think that that's a testament to how well this show was made. I mean, I've always... One, one of the few characters that I truly have loved in the MCU was Wanda, was the Scarlet Witch. Was I liked that they made her the catalyst for Civil War. I like how she played off of that. I liked her introduction in Age of Ultron i liked you know her dynamic with vision in civil war i liked her uh her relationship with vision in in infinity war and you know from the comics like the scarlet witch wanda her her powers are all over the place you know she has all these different aspects of what she can and can't do depending on when you're reading the comics but she has done some of the most powerful And insane things to ever happen in Marvel Comics. So when she's taking on Thanos in Endgame, you know, and I love that they even addressed that in this movie. She almost beat Thanos by herself. She was damn close to it. Yeah. And I love that they showed that. I love that they showed that her powers aren't tapped yet in Endgame because it's, it's all over the place with where they could go with it. And I like how WandaVision showed an aspect of where she can go with it. And I'll talk some more about some of the stuff that Justin brought up in, in 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 the spoiler section. But I do agree with Heather and I do agree with Justin. where, I mean, if we had done this, if WandaVision had ended maybe a few weeks ago, there might be a chance it might have ended up in one of our top seasons of television.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: I mean, Heather had talked about yeah. she would have put it in hers. I might not have put it in mine, but I wouldn't have necessarily disagreed with Heather for doing so. It's this this show, to me, seamlessly went from, you know, mimicking the old style of sitcoms to your standard MCU superhero fare to your kind of you know, like a, a like a Stranger Things what's, you know, what could these things mean type of mystery elements to it, you know, whilst introducing new characters and reintroducing old characters and making them all feel like they had a place in this, whilst also telling a story that is a very relatable for most people. Most people know what it's like to lose a loved one, and I think the way that this show tackles that I think makes it more relatable than a lot of shows do when they kind of just want to hit you over the head with the obvious thing of it. You know, how many shows and movies have we seen where it's like, Oh, this character died and we're all grieving from it. And it's yeah. all basically the same. the same people like, you know, everybody's doing it the same way. This did it in a more abstract way, but still kept it relatable And I think that makes it more impactful, you know? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm so fucking tired of like seeing those movies where like the father has died. So everybody's getting back together and for the funeral and they're hashing out all their old grievances but coming together in the end. We've seen that storyline 27 (laughs) billion times. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just, it's so cut and paste and boring now. Whereas this one... I mean, granted, it isn't the whole like Patriarch guy, but it's still, it's a show about loss in a lot of ways, you know, stemming from what happened in Infinity War. And with that, it really showed how Marvel used to do things that I was, and it's one reason why I fell in love with some of the older MCU movies, which was they, they took something familiar, whether, whether it was like a spy noir film. And just added superhero elements to it. And and by that, they'd be uh, Winter Soldier, you know. Or a sci-fi spaghetti western. And somehow turned out, you know, turned into Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, those types of things. They would take a genre and just twist it a little bit and add superhero elements. And that's what this did in a lot of ways. It mimicked sitcom TV. And it mimicked those storylines of losing somebody and figuring out what you're going to do with yourself through that, but added the superhero elements to it. And it did so in a way where each of those elements worked beautifully. The sitcom elements worked. The the superhero elements worked. The story of loss worked. And I'm not going to lie, this hasn't completely excited me about the MCU as a whole yet, but it has at least re excited me for the MCU on Disney. Plus. We'll just have to see how they keep going. And I mean, honestly, if they keep everything else, what, 75, 60, 75% as good as this, they're going to have a long string of shows that are good. I just hope that I can even find it within myself. To maybe readjust the bar as we go. Because they kind of set the bar so fucking high. Yeah. You know. I mean, but the MCU as a whole did start that way. It started with Iron Man. You know, Incredible Hulk was a letdown. Or, you know, is, is nowhere near the level of Iron Man. Iron Man 2 is not that level. You know, pretty much the entirety of Phase 1, the middle section of it is nowhere near on the level of Iron Man until they get to Avengers. And I say that... As somebody that truly loves Captain America, the first Avenger. I love that movie. I think it's vastly underrated, but I'm not delusional. It's still not in the tier of the original Iron Man and the first Avengers movie when you're looking at your phase one movies. So, I mean, if we were able to make it through phase one with it doing it that way, I mean, shit, we're going to make it through these like five series they've got this year, probably just fine. Because we've got what Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we've got Loki, we've got the what ifs, and we've got Hawkeye. I think that's all the series they're doing this year. Captain Marvel or not Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, maybe this year, maybe. I know She Hulk and Moon Knight are next year, so we'll see. All knows I am excited about that She Hulk, and you know your boys excited about that Moon Knight. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, recommendations and scores. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Justin, you first.
1: Uh yeah, I definitely recommend it. Um, I mean, I think that if you're a comic book fan or if you've been following these stories, I imagine you've seen this already. I mean, it's 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 um, you know, I know that we're we're not in theaters and you can't like look at grosses and stuff and tail, But I mean, just based on the buzz that I see all over social media about this, the way that people were talking about this and everything like that, I just imagine that quite a few people have seen it. But if you're still one of those people on the fence about it, just wondering, well, how are they going to transition these characters and things like that? Or maybe you're one of the people who didn't find these characters that interesting during the phases of the MCU from Iron Man to Endgame. Maybe you just didn't find these characters interesting. I I did have somebody on our On our social media, when we kind of asked people what did they think of the series, there was a person who said, I didn't watch this because I don't find Wanda and I don't find Vision interesting. And it got me thinking about how they've been portrayed in the MCU up until this point. And I think that that person has somewhat of a valid point. They didn't get much time. You know, they didn't get the time to develop and they didn't get solo movies like a lot of these other characters got. So I could see somebody sitting through all of that and going, I really don't care much about this. You know, I I really don't know too much about these characters. They're, They're really kind of side characters. I could see somebody Because of the way the narrative was constructed, being more interested in Captain America, Iron Man, Spider-Man, and Thor, and stuff like that. It it was a lot easier, I would argue, to fall in love with those characters than it was Wanda and Vision. I, I think there's something to be said about that. But... If you are one of those people that you didn't find these characters that interesting or you didn't find them that appealing for whatever reason, while you were up until uh, end game, definitely you are a person that needs to check this out because this validates those characters This allows you to spend some more time with those characters and really kind of get to see different layers of those characters and get to understand who they are and what they've been going through and how they've grown in this big MCU story. So I think that for that. Just by merit of making these characters more interesting, making them more compelling as many of the other MCU main characters, this narrative did that for them. And I can't thank them enough for being able to do that, taking characters that really are kind of considered though they're Avengers, they're kind of considered more of the side characters, you know, more of supports to these other characters that seem to have more priority or importance in the MCU. And now, honestly, I came out of this going, man, dude, if anything, I care about them more. But I mean, I care. They're just as compelling as any of the other characters. And I think that that's definitely a testament to this story and this series. Uh, Also, um, I know that uh, Heather was definitely talking about, you know, had this had finished and been completed, she might have put this in her top list. And I'm going to add to that by saying that I would be thoroughly surprised if this doesn't win any awards in next year's lineup. You know, I would be surprised if this is not one of those television series that isn't up for some things whether it be acting or special effects, makeup, costume, I mean whatever you want it, it's all here in the show. You know, we talked about it uh paying homage to the sitcoms and stuff. So everything down to the acting and the costumes, the recorded laughs that come in, the crowd noise and the laughs that come in on sitcom shows that they used to come in on those old school sitcom shows. Uh the way that they did some of the openings to the shows, uh, you know, calling back to things like Bewitched and Malcolm in the Middle and, um, I love Lucy and stuff like that. Like they did so much great stuff in here. There's such a great love letter to television in and of itself. It would be a shame if this went to next year's award season, or I guess this year's technically award season and didn't get any acknowledgement for what it was because I think it was executed that great. So even if you're not a comic book fan, I still feel like maybe there's something you could enjoy with this story. There's maybe some things in this that you recognize and you'd be happy that it was in there, or you would kind of understand the flow of this and appreciate it, even if you're not on that level of a comic book fan. So yeah, uh, I definitely, Give it a recommendation. This is definitely high quality stuff, not just comic book stuff, but this is high quality TV stuff. I think it's one of the better things you can watch as far as series and TV and stuff like that. I think it's one of the better things out that you can, de- that you can watch, especially on Disney Plus, especially on Disney Plus. Uh, so with that, with all of that being said, I'm going to give it. We'll go ninety four yeah, th- that seems like the right score that seems right. We'll go with uh ninety four man, I don't want to spoil anything. We'll go with ninety four uh we'll just say magic tricks by <laughs> vision and Wanda that don't always go right in the talent show out of a hundred. Heather, what about you?
2: It's interesting a lot of the points that you bring up, Justin, because um. I I definitely am one of those people that was pretty indifferent about Wanda and Vision prior to probably Infinity War. Um that's when I started to kind of care a little bit more about their story, but uh yeah, I I definitely was in that camp of like, you know, I'm I'm I don't dislike them or anything. It's just I'm indifferent about them compared to everybody else. So, I do think that this was a great way to give them a platform to shine as characters. And again, like I was saying, this show makes uh, Wanda uh, or Scarlet Witch one of my favorite heroes now. Um, Just very, again, like Sterling was saying, relatable down to down to earth in the sense of like, maybe not down to earth, obviously, but like just very, um, very human and very vulnerable in a lot of ways and it's just very um something that you can empathize with and something that you can just relate to if you've ever you know grieved the loss of somebody and it's just a really well done thing and um you know I will get into other stuff with with what what I specifically enjoy about that but um yeah I I was kind of indifferent about both of them pretty much until infinity war And then I was like, oh, okay, you know, I I get the appeal more so. Um, I will say I do think that Wanda had one of the most badass moments in Endgame, (laughs) you know, when she, um, the confrontation with Thanos first happens and he's like, I don't even know who you are. You know, it's just like, oh, you will. And I just loved that scene. I thought that was so awesome. And, um, but yeah, so it's just, it's a really good, Way to showcase them as characters and why they're so important. And I just, I really appreciated that. And again, not someone who has read the comics or invested time in reading any of the comics for this. And I really enjoyed it. I'm still considering it one of the best seasons of television that I've seen. And I don't think you have to be deeply, um, deeply into the comics to enjoy it because I'm not. And I loved it. I think it was great. And so I do think that it's something that other people, um, if even if you're not really fully into it, or even if you haven't seen all of the Marvel movies, as long as you've seen probably Endgame, <laughs> you're you know, which unless you're like the one person in the world who hasn't seen Endgame, I feel like you're gonna understand at least who they are and what's happening in this show, that's kind of building up to the big moments that happen. So I I think it's great. I think it's well-crafted. I do love that they did uh, callbacks to some really popular shows from different decades of television. I think that was brilliant. I loved it. Um, And it just really plays into her abilities. And it's just really, really well done. So yeah, I definitely recommend this. I think it's great. And I kind of think I'm going to give it the same score as Justin. I'm gonna go with uh ninety-four agathas all along out of a hundred.
0: I would definitely recommend this. And I might actually recommend in game if Wanda had said what she said exactly like Heather did. You know, when Thanos was like, <laughs> I don't even know who you are and she and if Wanda went, Oh, you will. <laughs> um but no, I do. I I I really do recommend this show, I think. This might be one of the weirdest, long, deep cons of Kevin Feige's existence if this ended up being why he ended up casting somebody like Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda and Paul Bettany as Vision. Like, if that was secretly his notion all along was to cast them and be kind of underutilized their acting talents until they get into this. Um... But no, I do. I recommend this. I think it was really good. We'll go into it more in just a little bit. I will I'll like fuck it. Let's give it a trifecta here. I'll give it 94. Uh 94 nice. uh senior scratchies. Is a weirdly awesome name for a rabbit. Out of 100. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is kind of funny.
0: All right, guys, spoilers. Let's go. Yes. All right. Spoilers. One thing I noticed when I rewatched the whole thing before we recorded was how they were really setting up this storyline truly from the beginning of the show uh, with that dinner party, with the hearts. And, mm. you know, whenever they ask Vision and Wanda, when they're like, hey, where did you guys meet? Where did you come from? And then the guy starts really, like Mr. Hart really starts like, saying it over and over again, like, where did you come from? Why are you here? Because he's being mind controlled to be Mr. Hart. And that was like, we had seen a few times in the early episodes of Wanda's spell kind of breaking a little bit. And he kept asking over and over again. And, you know, Mrs. Hart, who's still kind of playing the role is like, Oh, stop it, stop it, stop it. And then he starts choking because Wanda's tired of hearing him ask and yeah. Mrs. Hart really just keeps saying stop it stop it because that's her begging Wanda to stop. Mm. You know. And so it was really interesting like going back and watching it. You're like, "Oh, it showed you from the first episode like these people like their universe breaking sometimes. Like we we see in a couple of the the next uh upcoming episodes. So I just thought that was really interesting that when I first watched it, I thought it was just, you know, the way his character is, was doing that. And then he started choking and then her character was just like, oh, stop it. You're being melodramatic, that type of thing. That was my impression when I first saw it. But then after watching the whole series and going back and watching it, I'm like, oh, no, that was the universe breaking. That was our first instance of it. Mm. So it was Mm -hmm. really interesting to see it that way. And then back to what I was saying earlier with Monica Rambeau. Like, yes, we're introduced to her character technically as Geraldine first, but when they first show her as Monica is essentially her coming back from what they apparently in the MCU called a blip. And I loved that scene because it was one of the things I was kind of harking on with Endgame. I mean, maybe Endgame was too long and crowded as it was, but like with Spider-Man and stuff like that, We never got to see the consequences of what happened when people started coming back. And in that episode, episode four, we get just a small glimpse of it in a very restricted setting. And I loved every second of it. I loved the utter chaos of people just all of a sudden appearing again. And they're confused. Mm. The people that weren't blipped away are confused. Everybody's confused. It's utter chaos. I mean, people are just walking down the hall and people are materializing in front of them. And it's just, that's what I have been waiting. Now years, because, you know, COVID and we haven't had anything MCU related. I've been waiting years (laughs) for that now. Like damn near two years to actually finally see this and see that scene. And I'm so glad I finally got to see it. Because when I'm looking on the horizon, Mm. we wouldn't have gotten that scene in Black Widow because Black Widow is a prequel to um, in between Civil War and Infinity War. You know, they're not going to show that in the Eternals. Maybe Shang-Chi, but I doubt it. So like our first maybe glimpse of them showing the effects of the blip might be or might have been in as far as the movies go, maybe Doctor Strange 2? Maybe. Because we're not going to get it in Spider-Man 3 because they didn't do it in Spider-Man 2. So I just really appreciated that they took the time to show me that scene. I mean, I remember that day yeah. when I watched it, one of the first things I did was text Justin and go, hey, you seen WandaVision yet? And he was like, no, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yep. and I was like, you let me know the second you've watched it. And he did, he called me. And he was like, as soon as I saw that scene, I knew exactly what you wanted to talk about. And he was right. That's exactly <laughs> what I wanted. Because I was just so happy. And then like as the show goes on, when, you know, everybody had all these theories and all this other stuff, I think if you're deeply steeped in in, in the comics and stuff like that, uh, her being Agatha, Catherine uh, Hahn's character being Agatha, didn't surprise you. But I don't think it was any less effective with how they did the reveal. I still think that was really great. You know, I loved a lot of the red herrings they did in this show mm-hmm. because they felt justified because they felt like there was somebody in there manipulating things, even more so than what Wanda was already doing. And there was. So a lot of the misdirects made sense for a lot of it. I loved the fact that so many theories were out there that, you know, this person was going to be Mephisto. Or nightmare, or some one of these fucking characters was going to show up finally, or that the X Men were going to show up, or that the the physicist or the astrophysicist or whatever that Monica Rambo, Rambo knew was going to end up being like Franklin Richards, and I'm like, well, I knew it wasn't going to be Franklin Richards because you sure as fuck know that if they had cast Franklin Richards, or I mean, not Franklin, I'm sorry, Reed Richards, Franklin's his son, but Reed Richards, if they had, if they had cast Mister Fantastic. That would have leaked so hard. Yeah. But I loved that they had all these misdirects and all this and that because it felt genuine. I mean, I truly thought uh, Mephisto was going to show up. I really did. I thought Senior Scratchy was actually going to be Mephisto. Because Senior Scratchy is another name for Mr. Scratch, which is another name for the devil, which is another name for Mephisto. I really thought he was going to show up. But in the end, I wasn't upset with it more or less just being Agatha. because. And I read an interview with Elizabeth Olsen or somebody, maybe it was the showrunner, but somebody when they were talking about the show. And they talked about how Agatha really isn't the big bad of the show. And I really agree with this because they said, ultimately, the big bad of WandaVision is grief. That's the ultimate villain of WandaVision. And I was like, yeah, that's accurate. So I really liked it. I mean, I will say this. Can we all admit that it's kind of incredibly cheesy and mostly dumb that they made her code name a classification of once in a lifetime type of witch? Like come on. That was so dumb to me. <laughs> I hated that when she's like you control chaos magic, you're a scarlet witch. Fuck off. <laughs> that that scene almost took me out of it. Because I was just so. I mean,
2: is she called that just because of like the red hair and all that stuff? Like, why is she called that?
0: No, she's called that because it was the 1960s and she was a witch character in red.
2: Mm, Like, that's literally
0: as far as they ever thought. Just like, what do you call the character with wings? Oh, angel. (laughs) What do you call the guy that controls metal? Like, you know, has magnetic powers. Magneto. (laughs) You know, they (laughs) didn't think that far ahead. Like, oh, we're going to give this guy frog powers. What do we call him? Toad. Or Spider-Man. Come on. It's like, oh, he's Spider-Man. Like, they really didn't think that deep into their, you know, their code names, if you will, back in the day. But, I mean, I get why they did it. They wanted to finally actually call her Scarlet Witch. But, still, it's kind of dumb, guys. Like, what, what, I don't know. I just, that scene was really dumb to me. But, ultimately I was able to get past it you know I really I personally really enjoyed the Vision v Vision fight sequences I thought Mm -hmm. a lot of that was really cool and I kind of liked how Vision beat White Vision in a very similar way to almost how he beat Ultron you know by just kind of confronting him and having like a little speech type of thing like I thought it was just very fitting
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you know I mean there's just a lot about this show that I thought was very smart. I liked how they developed, uh, you know, Monica Rambeau and a photon. I thought that that was a very unique way of doing it. I liked, I liked how subtle some of the things were. Like, I liked how Hayward, his program to fix vision was called cataract. Well, yeah, like, because if you have cataract surgery, it's fixing your vision. Mm. I like that. That his it was a code name of fixing vision, you know? And, so, I mean, there's just, like, a lot of little smart things. Like, I loved how Elizabeth Olsen didn't use Wanda's accent until she was out in the real world. And then her accent would just come back because she was mimicking the sitcoms and stuff. I loved how they they played this small little subtle things for the first few episodes. Well, for, for a lot of it, where the aspect ratio of the show actually tells you where they are, like, where you are in the show. Like, um... When you were in the hex, they, they cut the sides a little bit and put black bars on the side. When you were in the real world, they expanded the aspect ratio and got rid of the black bars. So much mm-hmm. so that they do it very subtly a few times. Like when you see the guy in the hazmat suit going through the hex and becoming the beekeeper, you see the aspect ratio change as he's transitioning through. When Monica Rambeau is pushing through the hex, you see the aspect ratio surely change. And that's also where they hint at other certain things too. Like when they go into Agatha's basement and they've got the runes and stuff like that, that's not in the hex. The aspect ratio changes as she goes down the stairs. Hmm. And so I have to it's, go
2: back and look at that.
0: It's little things like that, that I think are just so ingenious and they're so subtle and it just adds a, a, a level of detail that, I'm not gonna lie, what 95 percent of every other TV show in the world doesn't have, mm-hmm. you know. So, I really appreciated a lot of that stuff. I've got some more thoughts, but I want to let you guys go a little bit. Um, so Heather starting it. So, Justin, what are some spoilery thoughts for you?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, you definitely uh covered quite a bit of it, and just uh to just kind of talk about, I, I really loved really those the those first two episodes and i just love kind of how the the narrative weaves this story and how it just gave you bits and pieces and the question that you constantly have on your mind is okay is this wanda controlling all of this or is it somebody else is does somebody else is it somebody controlling her or is it actually her and i just like how the 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 show really goes back and forth with you with that question. And I just remember talking to friends and other people who are watching this. And that was a constant question that we were wrestling with. OK, is she really controlling all of this? Who is controlling this? Is there going to be somebody revealed that somebody who is actually doing all of this and everything like that? And yes, that's where a lot of those theories about Mephisto and this person and that person came from. But I was hoping, and I even told some friends this, I I, I was telling them as we were watching the series that I really hope, though, that this is more about her grief than it is about introducing all of these new people that we don't know. You know, I I wanted it to be more of a a character study and more uh, and and it'd be more about the growth of the wanda character more than it was going to be about like oh look we got this new villain or oh look mr fantastic's here or all of this so i wasn't as disappointed i guess as some comic book fans were about some things because i was glad that they chose to keep it more about wanda And her relationship with vision, her grief when it comes to dealing with vision and her growth in that. I'm glad that that it was more about her coming into her own and becoming fully realizing kind of what she is and what the Scarlet Witch is. It was it was about that journey. It was about her kind of ultimately becoming the Scarlet Witch at the end. A lot of it was about that too. In her acceptance of her grief and what happened to her, she kind of realized another element of her powers or realized that there is this element of her powers that she doesn't know about. So it was very much about that too. Her kind of really growing into this Scarlet Witch. So I just like how the narrative was more about that than it was about all of these other things. And I think that sometimes like Comic book fans get really excited and they, they want things to so, to, to be so much like what they read. And you, you know, you, you know that, that in the comics that you read, the X Men are there and everybody's there and everybody knows each other and all these characters interact. And I guess people just want that so badly that sometimes you just have a tendency to make you just almost want to will those things into existence. And sometimes you just don't accept the story that's given to you. And I think that there were a lot of people that maybe had that sentiment, but I think that they made the right decisions with this um, as they're going through this uh, story. But yeah, I, I really loved the the first couple of episodes. The the second episode with the talent show where um <laughs> where um vision gets gum stuck in his gears and he's like acting damn near intoxicated. He's can't can barely function. He's kind of all he's kind of worse for wear and they're trying to um help each other through this magic act and you've got Wanda using real magic in a fake magic act. I mean, it was kind of, it, it, I just thought that that was great. I really liked all of that. And like I said, just the acting of Paul Bettany and uh Miss Olsen, just all of the mannerisms, all of the, just everything that they were doing in those scenes and just how they were interacting with people. I just really loved all of that. So I didn't mind that It was only giving you a couple of things, a little pieces here and there, and we weren't seeing comic book stuff yet, really, or any of that kind of stuff, just bits and pieces. I was okay with it, man. I liked when the show was fully invested into the sitcom mode and then whenever the f- the script is sort of flipped on that and we get to see the other side and we get to see Monica Rambeau and and I agree with you Sterling I do think that that is one of the better scenes in the movie and, and I think that it really just speaks to the 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 genius of Marvel and, and like uh and like cuz like when you think about Spider-Man I really feel like when it comes to the blip and everybody being blipped back and that whole snapped and snapped back phenomenon. What Marvel is doing and what's really genius about it is they're giving you different perspectives of that. You know, in Spider-Man Home and Far From Home, sorry, Spider-Man Far From Home, Peter Parker's is a teenager. So obviously, how he sees the 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 blip and how he experiences the blip and different things like that. Th- that's going to differ from a character like Monica Rambeau that's going to differ from a character like Ant-Man and the Wasp and whatever they may experience with it or whatever Doctor Strange you know so what you can do with that story is you can provide all of these unique perspectives so in Spider-Man Far From Home Peter Parker and Mar- and um and Aunt May were doing a a fundraiser trying to help people who had been displaced by who had had displaced homes from the blip, But then in this, we got to see somebody blipped back and their personal experience of being blipped back and how chaotic it was in that hospital and how they were There were so many people there that the hospital couldn't didn't have a a, a way to fill them all. And then what was also great about Monica Rambeau's story was just how she found out about what happened to her mother and the fact that she came back five years later, but her mother passed away two years ago in that five years time. And just getting to see that. And the realization of that and the tragedy of that, it was a a big contrast to what we saw in Spider-Man Homecoming. But I like it. I mean, sorry, I keep saying Homecoming. Far from home. But I like it because I don't want to see the same character go through the same thing. So it's nice that we're getting all of these different angles. And I bet anything, I'm almost willing to bet money, that when we get to Falcon and Winter Soldier... And they're going to have some experiences with the blip that are different from Monica Rambeau and Wanda that are different from Spider-Man. And that's how you can really keep this whole narrative interesting. So, yeah, I this lets me know this scene with Monica Rambeau lets me know that we're going to get a bunch of different perspectives from different characters from here on out. So I fully expect to see that stuff. Uh but yeah the Monica character was great. and like I said, her interactions with Jimmy Woo and Darcy, I thought that all of that was good, man. Um in episode three, when you're finally getting to see the other side of this and you finally getting to see the sword uh uh what sword is and what they're about and what they're trying to do and how they're trying to get into this hex or investigate this hex. And essentially they're kind of trying to save these people that have that have been mind controlled by Wanda. So it was nice to see that side of it. And sometimes you would think that in a narrative like this, it, it could be a slippery slope because You could have had the the stuff going on in the Hex be so interesting and so compelling that whenever it took a break from the Hex and we went outside of it and we were doing the sword stuff, that stuff could have been really boring. That stuff could have been a chore to sit through. You know, that stuff could have been like, man, I really wish that we would get back to the Hex. But I don't know if I can speak for everybody. But for me, it was never like that. I was just as happy to see them to see Monica and Jimmy and Darcy and those characters and what they were doing, what they were investigating. I was just as happy to see that and hear the conversations they were having as I was with what was going on with Wanda and Vision. So I think that that really is a testament to the show. The word that the keeps coming to mind is balance. This show had the incredible task of not only balancing all these characters, making them relevant, but you had the task of Paying homage to all of these old television shows. You have to balance that. You have to balance the presentation of that. And you have to have Wanda and Vision and their unique stories and what they were going through. But then you have to have the sword characters over here. And you have to explain stuff. And you have to do comic book stuff. And you have to unravel this mystery. But then you have to tell this very human story about a person going through grief. And we get to see all of the stages of that. And how Marvel was able to do all of that and have and then by the end, you get some of your comic book stuff because you got to deliver on that, too. So like Sterling was saying, that vision fight with them phasing through each other, like one vision would punch and then the other vision would phase his body so that the punch phases through him. But then he would materialize and then the person, the vision that punched him, his fist would be caught inside of him. Then that, then that other vision would phase and all of that stuff. That was just great. Them tackling each other. That was just a great, like, CGI fight, but it's stuff that we're kind of used to in Marvel. And then of course they, they try to do things a little different. And like you said, Sterling, that was so vision to negotiate and have an intellectual kind of showdown with the other vision and make him realize something. And now the, the hex vision, I'll call him that, has implanted the memories into the 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 sword vision or the white vision or I guess you could say is the actual vision. See, that's the funny thing about this too. Like the vision in the hex is not the actual vision, but in the fighting scenario he was the actual vision, but really the 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 sword vision, the white vision, whatever you want to call him, that's the actual vision that was comprised and put together with the actual vision pieces. So technically that's the actual vision, but really he wasn't until the hex vision kind of implanted those memories. in. so see, even that is kind of neat.
0: Like, well, and I love it too, because that is also encapsulated with how hex vision beat white vision with the whole parable of the ship of Theseus is yeah. like, that's the whole like point of that parable is exactly what you're saying. Like, what do you consider to be the real vision? Like, what actually makes the real vision, vision? And that type of stuff. And, you know, that's what was so great about it, is, like, everything you just said is also the parable of that battle. But it all, like, it just fits so damn well.
1: Yeah. And, like, just thinking about that and how awesome that is. And, yeah, you're right. That's how that whole... Parable worked. And when he proposed that question to Sword Vision, that, that's, that that was just all great. And so there are just so many layers to just even that. And that was one fight. But I mean, man, like, where to begin with just with Wanda and just all of the things that she was going through throughout this show? I mean, you, you just get to see so many elements of her. And like Heather said, the vulnerability of this character. And like one scene that really stood out to me was when Wanda was talking to her kids about the dog that was killed. Um, yeah, which we find out was Agatha all along. But, uh, but, um, that scene was a great scene because like, when, when they were like, well, why don't you just bring the dog back to life? And she was like, no, that's not. And and in so many words was like, no, that's not the right thing to do. You know, you have to experience death. And in so many words, she said to them, you know, you have to experience this, you have to face this, and it would be wrong to bring him back. But we all know that, the way that she dealt with this grief was in a way she brought back vision in a way. She's having Kim exist and having these people exist in sort of this fantasy world. Um And so there was so not only was that statement, it was hypo, it was hypocritical in that she did it with vision and wouldn't do it for them. But what it says more than that, though, is that That was a point in it where you could really see her starting to confront the morality of what she was doing. I think at first there was a lot of denial and there was a lot of bargaining and there was a lot of, okay, you know, we're in this fantasy world and this is just enough. I remember earlier before the conversation with the kids, she was talking to Vision when he was questioning things and she was like, how come it's just not enough that we're here? How come it's just not enough that we're here in this fantasy world together where we can love each other and have children and just be together, you and me. Why isn't that enough? And that's almost like you denying reality, right? That's like denying and trying to bargain and not really face the reality. And then when we get to that scene with her children, you, you, you get the sense that she knows what the right thing is. She knows that in a way what she's doing is wrong but still very much fighting that morality because she's grieving and wants to have this and things like that. So I just thought that that was a great scene. That was just another great look into this character and what they were going through and all of the emotions they were balancing and how she knows the right thing to do. She knows that morally what she's doing is wrong in a way. But you saw that. But but in almost in talking to the kids, we were starting to kind of unravel that. And she's starting to kind of come to grips with that. And as the series moves along, you get to see all those different things. I love the episode um, with her and Agatha, where Agatha takes her through her memories, trying to kind of figure out what is the secret to these powers? What is the source of these powers? Trying to kind of unlock the mysteries of how um Wanda got these powers. So they're going through her memories. And man, I loved all of those scenes. I loved kind of going back to some of the stuff we saw in Age of Ultron. Dare I say that this, that this made Age of Ultron better, <laughs> you know, or at least more <laughs> significant. I mean, the, the, the movie, I still think that it's probably the, the, the least Uh, maybe quality, I guess you could say, of the three Avenger movies. And a lot of that is because it was just overstuffed with so much stuff. But to me, this kind of makes made me appreciate Age of Ultron more because we got to see those memories. We got to go back and see kind of the significance of some of that stuff that happened to Wanda and how it led to kind of her thoughts um, now in this series. So I thought that all of that was great. I loved seeing how her and her family were. That's how they learned the English language. They were looking at these sitcoms and looking at Malcolm in the middle and all of these different things. So even her inspiration to make this hex and to make it this sitcom that's being broadcasted to people outside of the hex, um, I thought that all of that was great and you finding out where the inspiration for that came from, where she got that from. These are some of her favorite shows. So she's tried. So this is a person trying to imagine a perfect scenario. And for her, a perfect scenario is this sitcom world with the love of her life still there. I like how you got to kind of realize, if you didn't realize it already, that After Endgame, she was kind of one of the characters that really didn't get that happy ending, you know, like there were a lot of the other characters. They got to go home and be with families and stuff like that. And you think about her going to that house where they were where Vision had planned on having it built where they were going to live and just seeing nothing but just a flat piece of land. And that dream that never got to happen, you know, that vision, if you will, that never came to fruition and seeing how that hurt her and seeing her have to go through that. It really just made you care so much for this character. And the and the series was never afraid to give you that. It was never afraid to explain her. Um, her motivations and what she was going through and what she was doing. It was never afraid to do that. It wasn't so busy trying to do all these comic book things that it shied away from just giving you character development and a solid story. So I can't, uh, appreciate this enough for taking its time with Wanda and really giving you all that development. And I like how what what you said, Sterling, when you were talking about the interviewers, uh, the people that were that uh, interviewed about the show and how they said that the real big bad was grief. And I agree with that. And even if you wanted to strip that down a little more, uh, Wanda was kind of more of the big bad. It was her grief. And then the magic that she couldn't control to a certain extent, didn't know really the limitations of or the um, potential of as a result of that grief. And so it caused her to do all of these things to feed people. She affected all of these people. Uh, she had uh this version of vision living there, All the, these children, all of this stuff kind of happened because of that. And through the realization of that, not only did she kind of come into her own as Scarlet Witch, but now she kind of is on a quest to now un- better understand what she's doing, better understand what this chaos magic is and everything like that. So I think that all of that was great. And the last thing I'll say is just something about uh, Agatha and just how excellent I thought Catherine um, Hahn was. Catherine Hahn was just to me, everything at this. She was just my everything at this. She was funny at times when she needed to be. She had some great lines in this. I mean, just so many great lines in this. Her charisma, the way that she was acting, um, as one of the sitcom members. Uh, another great scene with her was where she was, um, in the car and vision comes up to her and she's, kind of there in the car, almost in like this, um, trance kind of state. And then whenever vision, um, does that to her and she's like, Oh, please help me. You realize now that that was a manipulation, that that was an act like that. That was her, uh, Kinda of manipulated him, so like you you think about all of these things, and you're like, man, and like her acting just had to be spot on for so many of those scenes. So, uh, so I just really, really appreciated her. And then when she became Agatha, and you you find out that she's got this nefarious plot. And it was her all along, kind of manipulating things. She was great then. She was great then as an antagonist. And then I even liked kind of the witch fight that they had—the back, the back and forth—and her being able to absorb some of um, of Wanda's uh, chaos magic and all of that. I, I really thought that all of that was good stuff, man. When it needed to be comic booky, it was. And, and I think that she just really shined in this as a supporting character. I thought that she was wonderful. And that's why I'm glad that the series ended the way it is, where she's trapped somewhere, but she's not dead. And she alluded that there may be something more that, that Wanda unleash something and that she's going to be needed or that Wanda may need her in the future for something that's unleashed. So comic book people and theory people don't give up on your theories yet. Maybe we're going to see somebody that maybe you want to see and maybe and may and if that means that Agatha's going to have to come back or Wanda's going to need Agatha or they're going to have to do something together. I am down for that because I really loved uh Catherine Hahn in this role. And I hope that this is not the last time that we see her. And the last thing I'll say is just about the, the, the stuff at the end. Like uh when you get to see Monica Rambeau and she's approached by a scroll, and then you realize that they're going to go up in space. So so it looks like Monica's gonna be a part of Captain Marvel too. And there's a lot to unpack with that, too. Like when Monica was talking about Captain Marvel, there almost kind of seemed like this, almost like this disdain for her, almost like she just kind of didn't really want to talk about Captain Marvel. Like and then she, you know, like she sort of whenever uh um Randall Park was kind of like whenever they were talking about Monica defeating, uh I, I mean, sorry, Wanda. Defeating Thanos alone, and um, Jimmy Woo was like, Well, I don't know. I think that Captain Marvel might have something to say about that. And then, you know, uh, Monica kind of snapped back at him. So I'm kind of wondering, What is that relationship? Is there a relationship? Does she have some sort of kind of maybe, I don't know, I I don't want to say dislike, or is there some, but is there something there? Is there something maybe? Uh, some sort of maybe like disdain towards Captain Marvel. Does she feel like maybe Captain Marvel abandoned her mother and her? You know, I wonder what that relationship's gonna be. So all of that is curious to me. You know, I can't wait to see Photon meet Captain Marvel and see where that story goes. And then even further, there was another after credit scene, and then you kind of see Wanda pulling a. Doctor Strange, where how he was kind of phased out in uh, Infinity War when he was looking at all the different futures and all that stuff. And he was kind of phasing in and out and almost going through different realities as he was kind of seeing all the scenarios and the way that Infinity War would play out. Well, she was kind of doing a similar thing at the end of this. So that kind of reminded me immediately of Dr. Strange. So it's like, oh, man, what does that mean? And you could hear her kids shouting, help, help. So this hex. Is it really over? Did she kind of ball this up and trap it somewhere? Is it in a place where it can be reopened again? You know, it just raises all of these questions. And I love, and that's why I love the MCU and I love their stories because they always leave you with good questions. They always leave you wondering, what are they going to do next? Where are they going to go with this character? How is this all going to turn out? And they did it again, man. They left us right in the spot where we need to be. And now we're ready for the next element, the next part of this story. So yeah, uh, you know, nothing but kudos for me. Um Oh, actually, if there, there is one dislike or at least one thing that I did want to talk about, uh, the thing with Pietro, though, I wasn't upset about it. Though I really wasn't one of the people that took the position of, man, how come he wasn't the actual Pietro or how come they didn't use that as an opportunity and things like that? Uh, I wasn't really like I I don't want to say I was upset with that. But I do get the sentiment that that felt like maybe something that was a little bit anticlimactic or something that was, you know, I get where some comic fans are coming from with that. You introduce him. He's from the Fox men, as some people would call them, or the Fox's X-Men series. So I get how maybe that could seem like a troll from Marvel Or something like that, because he just wound up kind of being another person that was controlled and everything like that. And we really didn't get to see what happened to that character or anything like that. So I kind of get the sentiment that that was an unfinished thing. And the way that he came in and the way that he left, I could see somebody complaining that that was a little inconsistent. But what I can say to comic book fans lastly, and this is a, I promise this will be the last thing. I keep saying lastly and I come up with more stuff, but this is it. Uh, but what I'll say to comic book fans is this. Maybe that was more of a wink to the audience than it was anything else. Maybe it was just more of a, Hey, look, they, she, recasted whenever Darcy was like, Oh, look, she recasted her brother Quicksilver. Maybe that was just more of a wink, like, but wink, wink, but Hey, he actually is a recasted Quicksilver. Maybe that was just meant to be a wink and a nod. And maybe they just thought it would be fun to include him because he, because people did general, generally like his, uh, that that actor's performance in the X-Men movies and stuff like that. So maybe we just read a little too much into that. Uh, if, if it's just a nod, I'm okay with it. If it's just a wink to the audience, cool. At least we got to see him in this. At least he got to interact as Pietro in this. And uh, I still liked him. I thought that he meshed well with the cast overall. So yeah, just wanted to address that because I know that that's been a point of contention for a lot of people who had uh um disappointed views about the finale and everything
0: are you sure you don't have another last thing i promise sorry
1: it's good man there's so much stuff
0: i know but i was just wondering because that was like your 27th last thing <laughs> it's just because you said last thing that's the only reason why i bring it up heather go yes
2: yeah, so just a couple of things of note that um stood out to me that i enjoyed um to kind of piggyback off of the conversation about uh, Pietro, I do, and I don't know for sure, but I do feel like they, because everything they did in this show was very, um, very thought out and very uh, meticulous. And um, I feel like the whole idea of it being a a, nod, I think it might have been, but I think that they also knew going in that, I mean... There's a million people that they could have done as like a recast and they chose Evan Peters. And yes, he was a great. Um, what is that guy's name? <laughs> the, the, he was great. He was great as that character Pietro? in the X-Men. Yeah. The, what is his the superhero name?
1: Oh, Quicksilver. Quicksilver.
2: Quicksilver that's right. Um, he was, you know, and he was great in it. So I just I feel like maybe on some level they knew like this is going to have people so curious to know what we're doing with this. This is going to have people so curious to know why he's in this and why he's the brother now. And I just feel like in the back of their minds, they knew like, this is going to draw people in because they're going to be so curious what's going on with the storyline. And while people might be upset about it, I don't know. I haven't actually heard, but I assume probably some are. I did not mind their reasoning. I didn't mind their explanation for it. I actually think that it worked with what they were doing. And, um, you know, I I just I think that that was, you know, I wasn't disappointed. It was like, oh, you know, because you're always speculating about, OK, so what does this mean? Why did they do this? And then when they just kind of explain like, oh, no, he was just being controlled by Agatha and he was actually a different person. And she just made him think and made Wanda think that it was her brother. And I just feel like I'm OK with that explanation. You know what I mean? Like, I I think that it totally worked with the story of what was going on. You get closure for what that is. It might not be what you would have wanted, but I didn't mind it, honestly. Um, I think that that was more of like a a way to lure in people to be like, wait, why is it him now? What does this mean? Is it going to open up all these other things? And if that is what they were doing, it totally worked because everybody was like wanting to know what this meant as Evan Peters being Pietro. You know, like it was just such Mm -hmm. a big... Thing. So I guess props to them for doing that because I I genuinely feel like it was a plan that they had because they knew that doing that was going to cause people to want to know what's going to happen there. Um, but that aside, another thing that um, I know uh, it was already kind of briefly mentioned. I really the. Um, the episode where there are where they're going through all of Wanda's memories. I loved that episode a lot too because it just kind of really gave a lot of just background explanation of things like her family watching s- shows together and you know after her brother had died, you know, she's sitting there and she's watching a show and it's just kind of you know, it just shows like why that's where her, her mind automatically went. That's why her um, alternate reality became these sitcoms. Uh, Cause it's just a deep kind of, I I guess, part of who she is, but it also feels like that's something that she associates with her grief is these shows to either the things that she was watching with people (laughs) when they died or something she did to comfort herself after someone had died or whatever it may be it just feels like that's why that's what took place in her alternate universe or alternate world that she created because that was something associated with her grief and her loss so and it just made sense that that's the the world that she created you know and i thought that was really clever and i do agree that i think it's a huge story about grief and dealing with it and handling it and there were some really kind of heartbreaking moments in it where you just feel like she's so desperate not to lose this person that she's loved more than anything, you know, that, I mean, to the point where she's like, no, I'm going to completely (laughs) control the whole world and strangers and manipulate them all to fit this world because I so badly want this to be what is real. And I mean, I even liked that. Outside of just immediate interaction with them, like when they get farther out into Westview, you know, when they're just kind of there, but they're not moving, they're not speaking, they're not doing anything. And when Vision sees that and, you know, he just kind of, I think that was sort of him starting to catch on to what's actually happening when he'll talk to them and, and nobody's saying anything. You know, Wanda has no use for them at that moment, so they aren't doing anything, but she still wants them under her control. And... I just really they just were so very thoughtful and just literally everything they did in this movie or I'm sorry show um and even the throw off of um Agnes pretending like she's also brainwashed or whatever and things like that and then just the very quick 30 second explanation of her part in all of this was brilliant it it covered so many things that you were curious about what's going on with it and did it in a 30 second catchy little song. And I genuinely was like, my mouth was open. I was like, oh my goodness, that is happening. Okay. This is where it's going. And it was brilliant how they did it. And, um, I just, and, and even thinking too about Wanda's vulnerability with like the, um, The fact that she's, I guess, coming to terms with or having the realization of the repercussions of what she has actually done when she has that realization in that last episode, when all those people are coming at her and they're like telling her like, hey, I just want to go home, like make this stop. You just see how very like terrible and broken she feels about what she's done because she didn't realize that she was doing that. It wasn't on purpose or anything but it was just like her realizing that her happiness is destroying all these other people's lives and in that moment yeah. that that choice that you know she had to make and it was just heartbreaking but a really really beautiful way to tell that story and i think that's also why wanda is so relatable because you're just like there's nothing wrong with her wanting to have the person she loved back and to want to create this world with them where everything is perfect and they're happy. Nothing wrong with that in concept. But with her powers being not quite under control, plus just kind of how it came about that this was her new reality. It just, you know, that's not how it works. And her having that, those moments of starting to understand that that just cannot be they cannot forever be how they are right now and um i just the way that it played out the way they told it how it unfolds it's just really really great and i love the chemistry of course between vision and wanda and just how you just see the he's just that very calming and you know logical yeah i guess like um what was you guys were saying where he's just like he kind of can talk himself down or talk things down off the ledge, you know, and that's kind of his weapon. And I think he disarms her a lot by being like that, you know, when he has those moments of being very open with her and like when they're sitting there and they're, they're talking after her brother's death in the memory flashback. And, you know, he's just very comforting to her. And even in the middle of her sadness, she can see him for who he is. And she just is like, you kind of made everything better just now. And people don't do that for her. You know, so it was just you see why they have the connection they have in these tiny moments and scenes in the show. And it again, it is why why you end up really investing in and loving these characters is because of this show and because of those moments that they show you as to why. Because it also takes you back through more of their relationship and like why they're so bonded and connected and how they kind of fell in love more, you know? So it's just really cool how they tell the story doing that. I also really loved the, the episode when I guess it was the, the 2000s when it was the, um, where they talked to the camera head on and they're talking about things. I actually loved that episode because I yeah. think Vision was hilarious in that. Like when he's sitting outside of the big bus that uh, Darcy's driving and he's just it's just funny seeing him in his full on like vision self just talking to this camera. It's just so funny to me. So um and even just saying like, what am I doing? Like, you know, it just the, the way they did it all was really, really well done. And it's, you know, it's just one of those where because there is that underlying message of like. This is the effects of what can happen when you're dealing with grief. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful story of it. And, you know, it's kind of like that's that grief is driving her to madness almost, but a lot of it unintentionally. And it was just really shown in a a really kind of beautiful way because you, you, you feel for her. You're not just like, I don't care that you lost someone you love. All these people are in danger because of you. Like, you don't feel that way. You understand that, but you actually just really feel for her. And you're just like, I get it. I get why he did this. And I get that you don't understand the full weight of what you have done. So and then I also just want to talk about um Monica Rambo. Like, I really, really liked her character a lot, too. I agree. I think that she just the introduction to her and Sterling that scene. Yeah, when they show her coming back and just how completely different and chaotic things are when people start coming back is, it's really good. And it really adds a a different layer to the show. And I think that, that was a, a smart thing for them to do. But just her her journey, sort of, and I feel like she has a lot of character development in this show as well, where you see her just like this really angry person and You know, just kind of confused and, you know, just wants to take after her mom or care for her mom and be there. And then she just becomes this really strong, confident woman who is just really good at her job and is just a full on leader and has a mind of her own and just really a brilliant person. And you just kind of see that develop a lot throughout the show. And you're right. I do wonder. What they're gonna do with that storyline of uh, her and Captain Marvel? Because I was really wondering what that was about, like what that animosity was about. <laughs> but I'm I'm kind of looking forward to now because I feel like obviously when they do more, if it's a movie or a show or whichever it is with her, they'll go into that more. But um, yeah, I just think that her development throughout the show. You know, she was just as much the protagonist almost (laughs) as Wanda and Vision were, you know, just kind of in the outside world instead of Wanda's world. And she just plays such a huge part in, you know, in the show and her dynamic with uh, Darcy and Randall Park's character. It was I would watch a show just about them three. Honestly, (laughs) I think that'd be a great show. But
1: I would, too. Yeah, it would be funny,
2: but just good. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, but I just I I just feel like all of the characters that had scenes together and the dynamics between the different groups of people in the show works so well. Like everybody played off of everybody so well. And yeah, I just think it's, you know, they do. There are questions. I mean, it doesn't answer everything, but the big things it really does tie things up in a way where you're like, you didn't do things just to do them, you did them for a reason. And I, I respect that. And it leaves you wanting more, which is why you're going to lead into Doctor Strange 2 and all these other things. So I just the way they crafted it. And you're right, the Marvel Universe, I think is wonderful at doing this. And even more so with a show, which is essentially just like a six hour movie or something, you know, but it's, I, I it's just so quality. And even like the moments it was supposed to be funny, it was the moments when it was supposed to be sad, it definitely was definitely at the end, it was super sad. Um, You know, and in the moments when it was the action, like that last episode, starting out pretty much straight away with just the action. So much of that, like up front, that was awesome. I love that they did that. Like, they didn't have a whole lot of it throughout the rest of the show necessarily but they totally made up for it in that last um that last episode so they just really um crafted it and they split up the stories and the the different episodes well to where you're not thinking oh that was 3 episodes ago i don't even remember that like everything they do still ties in and you're still like oh yeah i remember that what's going on with that and it's just a testament to just great storytelling and yeah, that's other than things that you guys have already talked about, like genuinely, <laughs> there's not there's not a whole lot you can say or that I can say, at least that is not just really great about everything they do with this show. Other than the fact that I didn't like that, you know, they tell you it's an hour long show and it's actually like 30 minutes, <laughs> even when it's like, <laughs> oh, the the last episodes are going to be longer. And it's like they're like five minutes longer. <laughs> <laughs> like it, that that part was kind of like okay well never mind but aside from that they're just really great episodes that they give you the high points they give you the things you need to know they don't do a lot of filler and but it's not like it, it all it all flows together well even without doing a ton of filler like they just really use every bit of the time that they have in every episode to tell this story um wholly and completely
0: i just want to take a moment and say can we please acknowledge that child acting is infinitely better than it used to be like when you look at oh, Billy mm-hmm. like they yeah. were great i mean and then i think back to like when we watched the goonies not that long ago their acting sucks
2: <laughs> no that's very true
0: and then you have something like this where oh. you know you look at elizabeth olsen's sisters mary kate and ashley when they were 10, their acting was garbage. And you look at these <laughs> yeah. little boys playing Billy and Tommy in this, and they were great. So kudos to them. Um, I, also I agree want, with that. I also want to talk about how I like the fact that they tied those kids in directly to her twins in the comics. as what, what What's their name? Speed and, and Wiccan. So those are pretty much comic, you know, the comic versions of her twins. Down to their Halloween costumes mirror their their superhero costumes
1: that was tight
0: and so i appreciated that um i also really appreciated that when they did the 2000s era episode um that was kind of modern after modern family i like the fact that the the intro music is modeled after the office (laughs) so i really appreciated that
2: oh yeah all the song choices they did for the intros were great
0: um a couple of things though I like the fact, well, one of the reasons why I believe that Monica Rambeau has issues with Captain Marvel is because, like, Captain Marvel shows up when she's a kid and then disappears again. Like, when her mom's going through all this shit, like, when she was going through cancer treatments and all this other stuff, Captain Marvel's just out in space doing other shit. I yeah. think that she, well, kind she? Of feels abandoned, you know? I have this distinct feeling in Captain Marvel too. they're going to have, like, a fallout or a little bit or a confrontation at some point, and... You know, she's going to bring that up. Like, well, when my mom had cancer. You were gone. So what do you really know? And then it's going to be one of those flip things where Captain Marvel's like, well, after you got blipped away and your mother was dying of cancer again, I was there. You just don't even mm-hmm. know. So I have a feeling something like that's going to happen. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, can I see that. I do like the fact that they very directly reference. Uh, the fact that Fury's still just chilling in outer space. Um <laughs> <Yeah>. with scrolls <laughs> and how that's gonna tie into his T V show, uh Secret Invasion that comes out in like two years or something like that. Um, I like the fact that they once again address the fact that Monica Rambo has been around scrolls before. So when this woman just goes, Oh yeah, I'm a scroll, she's just insanely unfazed by it because she's been <laughs> yeah. working with them forever. Because that's yeah. the whole point of sword. So, you know, is the outer space shield. So I like that aspect of it. Um, I like the fact that at one point, one of the witches or something like that in when, uh, when Wanda goes into Agatha's head, one of the witches says something about the Scarlet Witch is stronger than the Sorcerer Supreme, which was a weird thing to just yell, but they did anyway. And then you get <laughs> to see a glimpse of that later because... When Wanda is astral projecting, you know, and reading the Darkhold, you know, just like Dr. Strange did that, Justin talked about. Except, remember, Dr. Strange, when he astral projected, would be like lying down. Wanda, on the other hand, can astral project while still doing things. So,
1: yeah, they're already while having showing. morning coffee.
0: Yeah. So they already showed that, which
1: I'm sure was Folgers. Sorry.
0: Well, it was I'd tea, but okay. Um, <laughs> no. Because it was a tea kettle going off, but whatever, Justin. And dang it, uh. But it just shows how much stronger she is right now already that she's able to astral project whilst doing things. So that's a nice little nod to some of those things. Uh. So I like how there's just those weird, or not weird, but those those glimpses into the, some of the things we'll probably see. You know, and yeah. Just those little aspects of things that I think will show up uh, definitely going forward. Um, So we'll see. We'll see how ultimately this ends up connecting with that. But also the the whole point of one of the things I hate is that it's like, oh, even stronger than the Sorcerer Supreme. Well, then she'd become the Sorcerer Supreme. That's the whole point of the Sorcerer Supreme. They're the strongest (laughs) magic (laughs) user. So if she's stronger than the Sorcerer Supreme, she'd be the Sorcerer Supreme. Right. I'm just saying.
2: <laughs> right. That's how that works. But speaking of the costumes, though, I do also like that Wanda's was her Halloween costume was similar to her like superhero one at the end. That was cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, because their Halloween costumes were very much just the traditional looks of their old costumes. I do think it was mm-hmm. funny that, you know, Vision was like, oh, I look like a luchador.
1: <laughs> I thought that was <laughs> funny, too. <laughs> that was a funny. Line. But
0: I mean, I. I didn't feel uh, that the reveal with Quicksilver was cheap. I felt like that was the smart way to do it because the smart way to introduce mutants into the MCU is to not use the same mutants from the Fox version. Don't bring any of those fuckers back. I don't care how good you thought they were. Don't. (laughs) Just don't. Like, you need the MCU version, You know, the only one that would translate right is Deadpool, you know, so Deadpool can Mm -hmm. translate through because he breaks continuity anyway. You know what I mean? So having Deadpool be the one that comes over makes sense. Having Quicksilver, are you going to bring that Professor X over too? is James McAvoy going to be that, you know, like it brings in all these things that just kind of muddy it up.
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: So yeah,
1: and if the choice is having them come over the Fox man, I'm just going to call them cuz that just makes it easier. <laughs> the you know, if the choice is having them come over or the M MC- or Marvel Studios doing their versions of the characters, uh yeah, I'd rather see the MCU <laughs> versions of the characters. I mean, if we're talking about preference here, I'd rather wait and get that then speed things along and get the Fox man in here. You know, that's just how I see it. So I agree with
0: that. I mean, especially because how many of the mutants from the the foxmen as you worded it, how many of them haven't been ruined at this
1: point? <laughs> exactly.
0: I don't want to see those versions of anything, you know, outside of what they've done in Deadpool. Almost every other mutant has been fucking ruined in those movies. I don't want to see it. I want to see the new Marvel version of it. Start new. Don't give me shitty versions of the stuff. Because they have all been ruined in some way, shape, or form.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that's why I feel like the Quicksilver thing, it kind of felt like a wink, didn't it? Just like, you know, like.
0: Well, to me, it wasn't even a a wink. It was a, oh, we're going to trick you. It was Red Herring. Like, they did it intentionally. They wanted to fuck with people. They wanted people to think that this was the mutants coming into the MCU they wanted that yeah, and then they just didn't do it. And I appreciated it in the end. I'd rather you, I'd rather than direct. Yeah. You know? So I liked it. Um, I mean, one other thing that I think is like a fun thing that adds, like it's, it's one of those things where it questions, is it detail or is it a fuck up? So in the flashback to when Wanda was a kid and they open up the, the sitcom drawer to find a show, Malcolm in the middle is in there. Malcolm in the Middle wasn't Mm. a show yet.
2: Oh. Uh, That wouldn't have taken place. that's true.
0: But the argument can be said. Is it a continuity error? Or is it the fact that it's memories? Memories aren't always the most reliable thing. And is it also to show how strong her connection is with Vision? Because what show is she watching when her and Vision have their little moment in the Avengers compound? Mm -hmm. Malcolm in the Middle. Right. So is it her mind's way of showing that Vision is her family? Because her show with Vision was Malcolm in the Middle, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, is that what makes the connection? That it's her way of just being like, hey, that's because he's my family. That his memories with him intermingle with Mm -hmm. memories of my family as a kid.
2: Yeah. Oh, and another um, fun thing that I almost forgot about was... um, in that Halloween episode when they're walking by the movie theater and the movies on the thing were the Incredibles and Parent Trap. I thought that was kind of like an interesting little, you know, nod to them as like a superhero family and being trapped in a alternate universe. I'm guessing is what Parent Trap was for. I don't know, (laughs) but I thought that was kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, Parent Trap would have existed around then, but well, this was the eighties. It depends on which version of Parent Trap, but, yeah, The Incredibles wouldn't have been a movie then, so.
2: I think, wasn't the Halloween one during the, um. 90s. Malcolm in the Middle one, though? Yeah, 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 okay.
0: Yeah. So what I'm saying is it depends on which version of Parent Trap, and Incredibles still wouldn't be, because Incredibles very much came out in the 2000s. So, yeah, it really just depends on how you look at it, though. But, I mean, and there were, there were just nice little nods to a lot of things throughout this, so. um, Any more thoughts, guys?
1: Nope. Um last thing her the final costume was awesome. Justin the you can't say final last thing anymore. version <laughs> I have to say Agreed. The, the that that was awesome. I think that it looked great. I think it was a nice update to the original costume like it didn't look ridiculous to where it's like man like the original costume would look like if if, if somebody had that on now. But I like how it was updated and, you know, it was a little bit darker and it's a little bit, you know, it really fit. And I think she looked good in it and it felt like a good mix of yesterday and today. So I know that helicopter cosplayers out there are going to be cosplaying that. I know (laughs) it's coming. Oh, yeah. So I want that
2: Halloween costume. Honestly, I'm like, that's a really awesome costume.
1: Yeah, it, it looked really great. So. Just wanted to give that last kudos. Yeah, but
0: I also think it's very weird that when she unlocks her magical powers, like fully kind of unlocks them and embraces them, she gets a special magic uniform. It's a little weird. <laughs> so on to the saying that I say too much. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Uh, check us out on the internet at com or uh, Facebook where we're Cinema Slayers podcast, or Twitter where we're, uh, Cinema underscore Slayers, uh, Twitter and Instagram. Um, check us out and give us five star review on whatever podcast listening app you listen to if you can. If you can't, tell your app they're stupid and maybe they'll add that feature for it. Um, a special shout out to Plug Nego for our new awesome theme song. And I don't know. I thought I was going somewhere else, but I don't remember. So anyway. Always remember, guys, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the Best Picture winner.
1: Eh, eh, eh. Who's been messing up everything? It's been Agatha all along. Nobody knows Who's
0: anything but you. Who's been pulling
1: every evil string? It's been all Agatha right. all I, along. She Cinema Slayer 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 so perfidious that you haven't even noticed and the pity is the pity is pity 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 pity. it's too late to fix anything now that everything has gone wrong thanks to agatha naughty agatha it's been agatha all along and i killed sparky too (laughs)
0: I hope we don't have any copyright on. issues for you singing the whole damn song. <laughs> don't sue us, Disney. We're poor.
1: Please don't. Half of it was intermixed with our song. Oh. So it's <laughs> is that ten percent different?
0: No, because it's Disney. They don't give a fuck. <laughs>